Assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you, and welcome to yet another edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother Abdul Shahid Muhammad. And I'm your brother Kenneth Muhammad. And we are always, always excited and glad to be here on this blessed podcast, Mississippi on the Move. We're going to move expeditiously, uh, expeditiously tonight, and my tongue tied already, brother. We're going to begin in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. We bear witness to the oneness of God. We bear witness 
to the oneness of his prophets, and we bear witness to the oneness of the messages that were revealed through them to the whole of humanity. We greet you with the greeting words of peace in the language of all of the prophets, and those words in Arabic are assalamu alaikum, and in English they mean simply peace be unto you. Welcome to another edition. How are you feeling this evening, my brother, Brother Kenneth? Brother, I am doing fantastic. I'm so thankful to Allah to be sitting here in your presence the last couple of weeks. Uh, been remote and I missed. And it's just a different uh, feel when I'm not sitting across uh, the table from you, brother. Oh, praise this dude, Tyler. Well, brother, you in Mississippi, so you're on the move. I mean, you got some volume <laughs> issues there, too, brother. Hold on. Let's pull this volume up for you. That should be all the way up. Hold on. You were much louder. Let's see. We're going we gonna to fix it. Y'all Y'all uh, just be patient with us. They're trying to tune me out, brother. Tune me out. Nah, negative, brother. Okay, here we go. We're going to bring you up, up. Okay, give me, a, give me a check there, brother Ken. Nah, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. I need to go to two. There we go. Talk to me now, brother. Can you hear me now, brother? Oh, oh that yeah. sounds a whole lot better. That's a lot better, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We, had to, we, had to, we had to tighten you See, up. I've been gone. He didn't <laughs> turn my mic off. <laughs> no, sir, brother. The microphone is it's just, I guess it was just a little low. But brothers and sisters, we are certainly happy to be here. We got a, a program for you tonight that's more so on the serious side uh, of things. And uh, we... Um, uh, suffice it to say, it's more on the serious side of things. We're going to be dealing with the recent news out of, of course, Mississippi, particularly Sunflower County uh, down in uh, Greenwood, whereby those local uh, legislators, the local and state prosecutors, have decided to not prosecute uh, Miss Carolyn Bryant Dunham, uh, and and for those that may not know who she is, she is the woman that accused the 14-year-old baby. I don't use boy. He's a 14-year-old baby, Emmett Till, of whistling and grabbing her around the waist. And but we're going to get to that. But of course, some things that we got to do first. We got to lay some groundwork. Thanks to those who are coming on. Uh, as you come on. Uh, just buckle your seatbelts because we're going to have a very serious conversation. We are expecting an update on what's happening with this particular issue from our brother and friend from Coldwater, Mississippi, uh, brother Patrick Lumumba Alexander. I also extended a word to our brother in Greenwood, Mississippi, uh, the Greenwood, Mississippi study group. I saw him as well in the news reporting and they asked him or uh, interviewed him, and that is Brother Basil Muhammad. So I extended the invitation for him to call in and give uh, his take on what transpired down there uh, as they were seeking uh, and with the family to have the sheriff and the local authorities serve the warrant that is 67 years old. But Brother Kenneth, we got to do our groundwork, man, as we always do. We begin with our axioms and uh we have four of them, and I'm working on bringing some more to the table, brother, because I found some others from the Honorable Louis Farrakhan and other uh, great minds that have graced the presence of us 
as we have sojourned in the Americas. But I'm going to deal with this one, brother, and you can pick one that you would like to deal with. But the Honorable Louis Farrakhan says to us, he who gives you the diameter of your knowledge prescribes for you the circumference of your activity. And I say that one tonight simply because of what's going on in Mississippi with this refusal to give justice. And as we've learned, justice can't be given. So if they're giving you justice, that's like giving you the diameter of what you will receive as it relates to justice. That's right. So they they dictate how vast or expansive or contracted the degree of justice you receive. Yes, sir. So they give us the diameter. They dictate the circumference of it. So that's why we use axioms like these to cause us to think. So uh, that's the one that I would choose tonight, brother, from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Is there a particular one that you would like to cite, my brother? Uh, that one is, is fantastic. You know, I'm always, because as we go around uh, stating the case for our people, uh, Brother Shahid, you know that sometimes we run into those who are apologists mm-hmm. for a system of oppression and tyranny. Mm-hmm. And so when Victor Hugo uh, made that statement and it became popularized when Dr. Martin Luther King in his um, assessment of the crisis in the American cities said that if a soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin. The guilty one is he who creates the darkness. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes many people point to the things going on uh, with black people in the inner city, uh, they love to talk about crime and violence, and certainly those things need to be discussed. However, they that is low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. As Dr. King says, the things going on in the inner cities, he was speaking of the riots back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. He says they are derivative crimes. That's right, brother. Born out of a greater crime. Mm-hmm. Because when a people have suffered the way black people have here in America. And we did studies. We've done studies over the years on our program, uh, Brother Shahid. You have brought some uh, heavy receipts, as you say, in dealing with epigenetic genetics Mm -hmm. and dealing with psychological trauma Mm -hmm. as other uh, ethnic groups uh, point out things that have happened to them uh, just a few decades Mm -hmm. and how that has perpetually traumatized their community. Well, what is the trauma that has been inflicted over 400 years, 300 years as chattel slaves, not even being considered human, being described as property? What kind of psychological damage did that do? Uh, Being at the whims of an entire uh, race of people uh, who could indiscriminately buy you, Mm -hmm. sell you, abuse you, go in on your wedding night and and take your wife. Lord, All of know. these things is well documented, and yet we still try to uh, act as if those horrific crimes mm-hmm. uh, bears no responsibility on what we're seeing now that's coming back in our worst behavior. So the topic that uh, came, and I wish we didn't have to discuss this, uh, Brother Shahid, just mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. because you would think 
that in 2022 with all of these things that are going on still here in mississippi though they look at things the same way so i'm glad that uh we have the opportunity we have the control of our platform and we can talk about these things that may be uncomfortable but are necessary yes sir brother absolutely and as you were mentioning uh the study in epigenetics uh, from a previous broadcast that we went over. I want to introduce that to, uh, for the first time on the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Uh, a study was done in mental health, and the title of the article that was published May of 2016, it was entitled, Trauma from Slavery Can Actually Be Passed Down Through Your Genes. You Can Get PTSD from Your Ancestors. The writer was a man named Lincoln Anthony Blades. And Mr. Blades cited a, a Jewish uh, professor of psychiatry named Dr. Rachel Yehuda. And Dr. Rachel Yehuda, professor of psychiatry at Ichan School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, has conducted a in-depth research or conducted a depth of research, I should say, into epigenetics, okay, and the intergenerational transmission of trauma. In layman's terms, she is researching how serious incidents of trauma, i.e. slavery, Holocaust, and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, can be passed down through generations in... Okay, I, we got a call coming in, so stand by just a minute. Let me let me do a little business here. This is a particular topic that many are anxious to speak Assalamu on. Uh, we've spoken to several of the brothers and sisters who were there uh, in person to witness the lack of justice that was afforded to the remaining uh, relatives of Emmett Till. And as we will soon find out, the justification and even the procedure is something that was created, uh, in my opinion, to open up a back door, so to speak, so they wouldn't have to do that which was right. Yes, sir. Uh, as I was saying on this article that we uh, are signing, Dr. Yehuda, she was studying how trauma from slavery can be passed down through our genes. And she said her research, the article says, her research has revealed that when people experience trauma, it changes their genes in a very specific and noticeable way. So when those people have children, their genes are passed down through or to their children. The children also inherit the genes affected by trauma. And I don't want my brother to be waiting. We have our brother who's called in, Brother uh, Akili, and, and he's one of the young soldiers on the battlefield, and I want to get him in, get his commentary. Brother Akili, are you there, sir? I'm doing well, brother. If you can, you got a lot of background noise behind you, so we're having a little trouble hearing you. So if you can get where you can be heard a lot better, that would be excellent. Listen, uh, I'm at work right now, but let me get you to a, a perfect place. Yes, sir. See, this brother calling in from work. See, brothers and sisters, it's always beautiful when our young people 
you know, see the importance of issues like these. This brother's a native Mississippian. I've met him personally. Young man. He works with our brother, Brother Patrick Alexander, down there in Coldwater, Mississippi, the Black Liberation Movement. And uh, Brother Patrick made the point during that uh, interview by the news uh, uh, the other day that our young people need to get involved. It, um, oh, man, don't tell me we lost him. Yeah, I think we lost him, brother. He must have went somewhere where the signal was not so good. Yes. God willing, he'll give us a call back. Let me put this thing. I could have sworn I had this thing. Yeah, I do have it on silent, but it's ringing loud as an airway whistle. But <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll, there he is. He's calling back. Okay, we're going to accept that and see. Uh, um. Jahi, Akili. Yes. Tick. Yes, yes. Brother Jahi, are you back, sir? Yes, sir. I, I apologize. That brother, man, I apologize for that. Oh, that's all right. Go right ahead, brother. We're, we're in the thick of it already, man, and we're going to get Brother Lumumba in here in a few minutes. But what's on your mind, brother? Well, brother, uh, thank you for the opportunity to articulate myself about this matter, uh, this important matter with the, uh, our brother Intel and the lack of responsibility that this U.S. government and the state has for black people. Mm -hmm. uh, we should not be shocked at this uh, decision. We should not be shocked at all. That's right. Knowing that we are under the, the realm of white supremacy and Mississippi majority is like the... the, the the bedding ground of white supremacy historically, it still is. So we, uh, we as a people, comrades, we should not get really so um, uptight or emotional about this because this has been already denied justice for Brother Intel seven years ago in that Kangaroo Court. They called justice. And now, six, seven years now, they say they're not going to indict the, the murderers, the kidnapping, the kidnapper, the woman who lied on this young brother so he can be killed. So we you know fam, we should not get so emotionally um I say reactive. And I think that's that's the word that I want everybody to understand. We should be responding, not being not being reactive. So no matter what, we should keep we should keep pushing and keep pushing no matter what. So what they say they're not gonna indict. We know the truth and we know what happened. And we know justice was denied. So what we gotta do now to so history won't repeat itself. Uh, as my commander and Lumba and General Balkarin always tell us, history do not go in a straight line. It goes in a circle of motion. And just like with uh, Brother Emmett, Trayvon Martin. That's right. With, uh, Mike Brown, Amal Albert, Beyond Taylor, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, go ahead, son. George Floyd, and the list continues. We have not responded mm -hmm. to these threats. We only reacted. So now it's time for us, black families, to understand that we must respond and keep responding. If not, then we then we have set ourselves for failure, not only for us, for us today, not only but for our future generations, for our future children. And we have to be well, CGV, overstand this statement from our, that comes from my ancestors to understand the cause, to understand that justice will be prevailed no matter what. We got to keep pushing. Like, we must have the moral character, the moral background, the 
uh, have, you know, our, the most humble Mr. Louis Farrakhan said one time, you must have the testicular story to right. push this and to speak this. So, like I said, I'm not going to be holding y'all long. I'm not going to hold the mic too long because I know my commitment will come on. But I want everybody to know that no matter what goes on in this realm of white supremacy, we must keep on pushing, keep on fighting for justice, not just for ourselves, for our future children. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Brother Akili, if you would, tell the audience your age, if you don't mind, my brother. Well, brother, I am 23 going on 24. I, I turned 24 in this February. Man, ain't that something. Brother, thank you so much for your call and for your commentary. I, I've been doing that for the youth. That's for the youth. Thank you, Brother Akili. Yes, I bless you, brother. We will be in touch definitely. All right, Brother Jahi. Yes, sir, brother. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam, sir. And the beauty in that, brothers and sisters, it was the youth. Dr. King was 26. That's right. So he is at the right age when he, Dr. King was 26 when he got started in the struggle. So brother Jahi is right on time. And I just wanted the audience to know that. I was told we was having some difficulties with the audio, but uh, as I understand it now, the audience can hear I uh, got word that everybody can hear now, and we are still awaiting the arrival of my brother, uh, Brother Patrick. I'm going to check on him because uh, we had to make some provisions uh, that if he was not able to navigate the the app that's needed to participate as a guest host on tonight's program, I, I instructed him. I gave him another set of instructions. So we're going to wait patiently. But as we wait, Brother Kenneth, I want to finish uh, the point with regard to the epigenetics piece, how uh, it can be passed on. Uh, Dr. Yehuda, she, she was born in Israel, and she lived in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, here in the States. She first tested her, th- theory, her theory out on a small control group of her neighbors who had survived the Holocaust. What she found is that the Holocaust survivors had similar hormonal profile to Vietnam veterans suffering from PTSD. Our brains have a region called the amygdala, which performs the primary role of processing memory, emotional reactions, even threat detection. PTSD causes the amygdala to kick into overdrive. It wasn't until years later, after meeting with the child of a Holocaust survivor, that she decided to test if these traits were passed down through generations. And her study confirmed what she thought. So we as black people, brother, as you alluded to, Brother Kenneth, we suffer from these traumas. We have these psychological maladies that people want to dismiss where we're concerned, That's right. but where everybody else is concerned, it's, it's okay to factor that into the equation as to what it is that's bothering them. And one of the things that is troubling, that it seems as though we have given up on the young people, and we and we know Brother Akili, and we've seen him uh, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. When he, you know, so he's 23 now, but he, he started uh, earlier than that. Yeah, I think he was around 21, maybe 20. Yeah, yeah about 20. Yes, and, sir. And, and it, it's not in a... Uh, an anomaly, there were several brothers that be with him. Mm-hmm. And what we have to do is highlight those. And then as a community, 
instead of pointing the finger at the youth, let us open up our arms and embrace them and guide them because, again, the trauma that we have suffered as a people, we pass that trauma on unknowingly. And we have not been good stewards, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, of our young people. And it is time for us to accept our role, our responsibility, and guide them with a firm rudder, guide them so they have the right spirit. You know it and I know it. We be around them and listen to them. They have the right spirit. They just need the wisdom and the guidance Mm -hmm. to solve the problem that has been going on now for over 400 years. Yes, sir. That is correct, brother. So, brothers and sisters, um, tonight uh, we're devoting the entirety of this program to this particular issue with regard to Emmett Till because I think humbly that this is one of those hinge moments in history. The pendulum or the door can swing in either direction on that hinge, depending upon how we respond. And frankly, Brother Akili, uh, Brother Jahi alluded to it, said we have not properly responded. See, at this point, it's really not what they are doing to us. It's how we are responding or our lack of proper response to what we continue to suffer of injustice. Somebody explained to me that if there was a warrant out for your arrest, is there anybody that will go to bat for you? Especially if that warrant was as serious as the warrant is on Miss uh, Miss uh, Bryant Dunham, and just got word from our brother, brother Lamumba, he'll be calling in momentarily. Somebody will go to bat to you and say, "Well, we're not going to prosecute you." But did you see some of the reasons why? Even back then, she had two small children. Yeah, she had two small children. <laughs> so we we didn't want to do that. Yeah, well, she got two 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 babies. As many of our sisters that they lock up. As many, and what I've seen over a 28 year period of my career, brother, you got that felony warrant. You get them elves on your card. They coming to get you. You going to call mama or somebody to come get these children. It don't matter. Tell them to bring some car seats. Make sure we buckle them in. But you going to jail. So you might beat the charge, but you're not gonna beat this ride. That's right. You got to ride. You're gonna have to ride. I mean, it, it's this. This is a charge. It's not a conviction. So the judge and the magistrate have deemed that there's probable cause to lock you up. Now we'll see. You can get a bond. You can go before the judicial commission or go before the pretrial people, and uh, they make an assessment of your record, the seriousness of your charge, and determine what your bond should be. And let a judge set your bond. And we got it coming in. We're going to stand by just a minute. Call from. Brother Lumumba, are you there? Salaam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Praise be to Allah, brother. I'm glad you were able to get in this way. Uh, we had another way, but of course, I made sure I had a black up plan for you, brother. Thank you for being on with us uh, tonight. Brothers and sisters, we now have with us our brother and friend from Senatobia by way of Coldwater, Mississippi, the executive director 
and commander of the Black Liberation Movement out of Coldwater, Mississippi, our brother Patrick Lumumba Alexander. Brother Patrick, how are you this evening, sir? I'm well, brother. Thank you. Yes, sir. For that robust introduction, I appreciate that. Oh, brother, yes, sir. That That's one thing that we as black people have to reestablish the honor and respect that should come with those of us who struggle for the liberation of our people, regardless of where we are. This is how our enemy does, brother. You know, I was sharing with some of the people who attended the Ida B. Wells 60th uh, anniversary of her birth, and uh, the Sister Harris asked me to say a few words to the audience. And brother, when, I, when they called my name and I walked to the microphone, I felt like Tupac, but all eyes was on me because they said, Mr. <laughs> Muhammad. And I can see the trepidation yes, in the sir. faces of the people in anticipation of what I might say, you know. But I yes, simply sir. said this to them. I told them about a meme that I saw on the Internet. And I said, the meme said, to, uh, said, all of these different religions and one devil. And I told them, Satan, Satan got sense enough to unite against the righteous, but the righteous ain't quite figured out that there's a oneness in, in, in belief in God no matter what your faith is. And I say that to say that that's what we as black people, not just on, based that's on right. faith, but as black people, we all black. Black is a universal language that unites all of us. African-American is not. I appreciate that term. It's cool, but yes, sir. they always want yes, to keep sir. us from using the word or the term black because black is not a color. It's the yes, essence sir. from which color come. Well, brother, look, brother yes, Patrick, right. I want to get you in, man. But before we do that, man, we're going to cool off and take a quick break. I want to get these commercial yes, announcements sir. in, which is probably going to take two minutes tops. And brothers and sisters, we will be right back with our brother and friend, Patrick Lumumba Alexander, right after these messages. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. 
Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. TheUrbanIndulgence.com. Mississippi on the Move. And we're back live here with the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Our special guest this evening, our brother and comrade at arms, Brother Lumumba. I call him the Black Panther of the Delta, but we know him as the commander of the Black Liberation Movement, Patrick Alexander. Brother Patrick, man, could you? Please, please oblige us and give us an update on what's been happening on the ground because I know you, along with others, uh, I know Brother Malik Zulu was down there. I saw my brother Kareem Muhammad. I saw my brother Basil Muhammad of the Greenwood and Greenville, Mississippi study groups, boots on the ground. So, brother, give us a ground eye view of what's been happening down regarding this issue. Yes, sir. And may I add to that list of strong warriors and, and frontline soldiers that were down there. I want to add Brother Abdul Shaheed Muhammad and Brother Kenny Muhammad yes, of the Nation of Islam. You were also down there in spirit, brothers. Y'all both were down there in spirit. Anywhere I show up, y'all showing up. And I hope that feeling and that uh, sentiment is reciprocated. Of course it is. But <clears throat> to, speak, to speak to us being down there on the ground, brothers, we were down there a couple of weeks ago uh, trying to hash this thing out, trying to make sure that we get the men, the memo across to our people, making sure that we understood the urgency of the moment, making sure that we understood that this wasn't just about Emmett Till, the person, mm. the young man that was killed, mutilated back in 1955. We were down there because that young man that was killed and mutilated, Emmett Lewis Bobo, killed, spoke and speaks now to the humanity of black people. And I think we marginalize it ourselves when we look at it as just an ill situation. Emmett Till encompasses the humanity of black people. And that's what we need to internalize in this moment because when the United States government speaks as it had secretly convened a measure of a grand jury, secretly convened this grand jury, when that indictment failed to indict the last surviving culprit, the last surviving criminal, the last surviving co-conspiring murderer, and this judiciary process has failed to indict her. They're not just indicting, not indicting based on immaterial, they're not indicting based on how black people are viewed in this society. Mm -hmm. We have to keep that in mind. If we don't, we're not going to fight the right fight. So, that's what's going on, brother. Something has taken place a grand jury was convened under the nose and under some mysterious guy. And uh, they come back 
with a decision not to indict Kelly Bryant Dunham on the recently found warrant. Mm. So that's where we at. So we still dealing with the sting, but it's the same old sentiment. So it's the same old sentiment. So that's where we at, brother. And that's where the conversations need to go. Uh, thank you, Brother Patrick. This is Brother Kenneth, Brother Omar, greets you. Asalaamu Alaikum. Salam, brother. It is always an honor and a pleasure to uh, be uh, with you in this fight for the struggle and liberation yes. of our people, brother. You are a more than a um, worthy uh, adversary, uh, but brother, you are a natural-born leader, and this is the time. Uh, for the type of leadership that you are providing. So I want to thank you on behalf of uh, all of our listeners and myself. And I just want to go right to the point that you made because it sent chills down uh, my body when you said it wasn't about Emmett Till, the person. Emmett Till is just a representative of us as a people here in America, and in particular, Mississippi. And the way, the callous way that this has been handled for decades, even uh, with the so-called white progressives and the liberals, even with all of these things that are being uh, put out there on television that has lulled us to sleep, they still are showing us in our face that this is how we really feel about you. We we can't even arrest a white woman. We didn't ask for uh, we didn't. It wasn't an indictment about to be brought down. It wasn't a, a jail term. It wasn't that. We just wanted a warrant served for you to get arrested yes, and, and come downtown. And they didn't, if they would have just brought you downtown, then afterwards, you know, we don't know if you they just uh, brought you in the front door, let you out the back door. But what they said was, this is not even worth bringing you downtown to inconvenience you, the life of a baby. Someone, if they, and those who may not be familiar with the story, was uh, visiting Mississippi, was with his family, and then an adult. Think about this now. He's a child. An adult made a false allegation against a child during in that particular time, full well knowing what the outcome was going to be. Mm. Our men yes, have sir. been historically lynched and burned and mutilated, castrated on the whims of a false charge of accosting a white woman in the South. This is a historical thing. So she was not ignorant to the what was about to take place is what I'm saying. Exactly. We can't we can't uh, minimize her role. She was the domino, the first domino to fall in that sequence of events. So she was criminally responsible. Mm-hmm. It's the same way they, they, yes, they do us. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and and because many have said, well, that was so long ago, let's move on. What I mean, what's the big deal? That's the big deal. This is what they're saying. That's the, that's the big deal. Mm. She the one that caused it mm-hmm. to happen. Yes. And she, she and it's basically you saying she get away. Mm. Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty. Yes, sir. You know, Brother Kenneth, man, yes. uh, and I will say this. 
you know, as a 27 years, uh, actually 28 now, years personally, me and my profession under the color of law and knowing what I know, the question I have, why was there the necessity to convene a grand jury to determine whether or not to execute a warrant? A warrant means that a police report has been filed, okay? That report has gone up the chain to a detective or an investigator who goes and find the facts. He unearths all of the elements and all of the circumstances surrounding the alleged crime committed. And once he gathers that information in the form of statements, in the form of physical evidence, and in the forms of whatever evidence and statements he has to take, he determines that, okay, I have enough probable cause based on the statute and how it reads to pin a warrant for the perpetrator's arrest. Once that warrant is pinned, that warrant is taken by that investigator to a magistrate, to a judge, and the judge reviews that affidavit for an arrest warrant to determine whether or not the officer is correct and in harmony with what the statute requires to issue said warrant. Well, a magistrate clearly agreed with whoever that investigator was. So who was the officer? Who was the investigator? Who was the magistrate? Well, the magistrate agreed, signed the warrant. So now the warrant has to be served. Well, the warrant is filed by a clerk. Who was the clerk? In the series of clerks whose hands this warrant went through for 67 years that no one saw fit to go serve the warrant. Now, once you got a warrant, you don't need a grand jury. A warrant means that the duly elected sheriff, high-ranking, highest-ranking officer, or one deputized or a police officer can go and pick that woman up and bring her in. Now, she can have her day in court. She'll go before pretrial. They'll set her a bond. If she pays the bond, she can be released until her trial date. So what, what was the necessity of convening a grand jury 67 years later when a magistrate had already determined that there was enough cause to go and arrest her? And just like Brother Kenneth just said, they didn't want to inconvenience her. Well, I find that strange because they had no problem locking up an 83-year-old blind man named Bill Cosby. They didn't have no problem doing that. Man blind now. They had to lead that brother around for the entirety of the trial because he's legally blind. But now all of a sudden they got this soft heart and Bill Cosby ain't killed nobody. And this is not to minimize what he allegedly did. And I use allegedly strongly because it's a bunch of liars. They lied to Bill, and they went back on their word. You feel what I'm saying, brother? So all of this stinks. And, you know, and, and my sentiment, brother, is how are we going to respond now when these people have made it abundantly clear long before this hinge moment, as I call it? And I call it a hinge moment, brother Patrick, because yes, sir. this is on us now. It is, it's really not on the state prosecutor. It's not really on the Richardson brother because we've always had 
people of his ilk to betray us. We've always had that, brother. That's not new. It's just like that brother with the Breonna Taylor piece. He knowingly stood there and lied with regard to what happened while that woman, that sister was sleeping in her bed and got shot to death. And they charged the man with a crime for shooting in an apartment next door blindly, but they didn't want to charge him or hold him accountable for actually shooting somebody in an apartment that was inhabited. See, that's the sickness. Mm -hmm. And we know full well that this judicial system is sick when it comes to us. So in my, and it's, forgive me brother with my, for my passion. Uh, well, don't forgive me because th- this is how I feel about this. And you know, brother Patrick, we talked before we got on there. I was mad as H E double hockey sticks about this, man. That's right. And you know, That's right. because you're right, but this is about the humanity of black people. It's far deeper than just Emmett Till. It's far bigger than just Mississippi. Mississippi has, and it has always been the flashpoint for these kinds of issues. I'm put a pin in it right That's now, right. man, because there's a lot more to this. Uh, they found the warrant, right. according to the news reports. Uh, they went some of the uh, uh, the family members of Brother Emmett went and found the warrant in a basement with spider webs in LaFleur right. County, LaFleur County Circuit Court, court, a court uh, and found the warrant. And when they That's found right. it, you know, and we saw you, brother, and brother Malik, and I think y'all actually had your hands on the document. Am That's I, right. Am I correct, brother? That's right. And That's the, right. it was it was the cousin Deborah Watts, and uh, she's two of his. When they have an Emmett Till Legacy Foundation, two of Emmett Till's reb, uh, relatives, Deborah Watts, uh, who is the head of the foundation, and Terry Watts. And they wanted authorities right. to use the warrant to arrest. They didn't ask for no convening of a grand jury. They said, go serve the warrant. That's all. They, they were just right. asking them to do what they've always done where warrants are concerned. Go serve the warrant. Here it is right here. So you know, brother. Right. Uh, so uh, what in your mind, That's brother right. Patrick, because as I just stated, this is about how we're going to respond to this. Because... I plan to keep this as part of our subject, brother, on an ongoing basis because CNN has done their report on it, and I can rest assured, rest assured, rest assured they're done with it. The Guardian has mm-hmm. done their report. All of the various news outlets and news publications they have done from the local to the national, they've done their news piece on it, you know, so they can wash their hands and say, well, hey, we put it out there. Well, it's our responsibility to keep this conversation going. And, brother, my mind is we're going to keep this conversation going on Mississippi on the move, and it's going to be an aspect of every podcast. What are you going to do about Emmett Till? How are we going to organize? What can we do to uh, create a synergy, if you will, beginning in Mississippi to put this issue before black people throughout Mississippi and really throughout America. What do you think about that, brother? No doubt. I, I think that's spot on. That's exactly what we need to be doing, brother. And I think we already do it. Mm. You know, what is Mississippi on the move all already about? Yes, sir. You know, what did we determine when we came back from Savings Day in 2020? What yes, did sir. we determine that we were going to do? 
What is the details of that agenda? I think people should know. The details of that agenda was to go throughout Mississippi. Mm -hmm. The blackest state in the United States of America. Why? Because we knew we would find predominantly black townships. They needed to be spoken to because we're talking about a response. You know, we can go on for days and talk about how America has uh, uh, politically situated black people. We can go on for days talking about how Patrick Moynihan and and mm. and, 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 uh, and and Robert Tanny, powerful political people, have set the tone and basically spoke to the nation about how white people perceive black people permanently, mm. permanently. Mm. Permanently, we got to think about that. Permanently, that's right. What did Patrick Moynihan say? Please he said, tell we him, brother. see black people problem, but we have no political obligation to acknowledge them. Repeat okay? that. Repeat what did Robert Tanny say? <laughs> what did Robert Tanny say in the Dred Scott decision? He said that the black man has no right None. that the white man is bound to respect. None. So at some point. At some point, we have to respond to this. Are we going to remain the permanent underclass? So what, what I'm trying to convey in as few words as I possibly can, what is Mississippi on the move all about? Mm. Well, Mississippi on the move is something that has stirred up in the spirit of black people. And what I'm trying to convey the best that I can, every opportunity that I can, is that it's something special about the grassroots of black people. I'm not talking about the civil rights, because civil rights was the Jewish idea. That's we terrible. never fought for civil rights. We were fighting for freedom mm -hmm. and human rights. That's what we were fighting for. That's right. And we still fight for that. What did we say? We fight for the humanity of black people because we are not that in the, in the, in the social fabric of this country. We are not that. So Mississippi on the Moon is designed to go into the most racist, concentration of racism in the Western Hemisphere. That's Mississippi. These white folks is not shying away from that. They are overt with that. You got white people that's running their whole political campaign on basically overt racism. You got a, a, a white woman senator in power that basically said, I want to be at the front row of the hangar. That's right. How did she get elected? That's true. It ain't that many pickle pickle black folks to elect her, but it's enough white people to do that. Donald Trump can run just on his celebrity. I'm just trying to drive it home, make uh, people understand. You know, this is from the grassroots. This didn't come out of Ole Miss. This didn't come out of your uh, higher education institutions. This come out of the belly of the suffering of black people. And I hope people hear me. That's where it come from. That's where our answers come from. So when we got a brother, and you're right, we shouldn't be still hopping on this brother. But see, we got to set up, we got to make a sign just like the white man made a sign for any black person that thought they were going to rebel on the plantation, they made a sign. They tarred and feathered a brother. They castrated a brother. They hung a brother up as a sign to let people know you don't do this. Yeah. Not in our staff. So we got to start doing that. Yes, sir. It's kind of like Bob Barker, Al Creeper said. He said, we got to remove the space that these coons occupy mm. because they hold in the black community hostage. And they are hired servants. They co-conspired with the political system of white supremacy. So mm -hmm. that's what Mississippi on the Move is all about. It's about going into these black townships 
and charging the black leadership there with a responsible. That's right, brother. That's exactly. Wayne Richardson, you dropped the ball, brother. Yes, you sir. dropped the ball, and we have to point you out. Mm-hmm. And we got to make our people understand you cannot have this type of capitulated leadership. You put your children's future, your even your children's life, in danger. Say that. When Say we that. represent ourselves like this, exactly. So that's what we had, brother. And I think we're doing the right thing with having these talks and going into these townships and bringing a real conversation to our people and giving them. I mean, America giving us the example. I go right back, and I'm not afraid, different at all, and bringing it to people's face. Elijah Muhammad said something, and it should rain crystal clear with our people now. He said that one day. I'm not going to have to tell y'all mm-hmm. that the white man is himself. Yes, sir. He said he's going to show you himself. Exactly. In fact, brother, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, leading up to the election of President, former President Donald Trump, Allah. told black people that, uh, told black people that the more we put the bag on them, and what Donald Trump was doing with his rhetoric, it was peeling away the onion, the skin right. of the onion of civility. In other words, it was it was creating an atmosphere. The Trump uh, campaign created an atmosphere where whites were made to feel comfortable to show you their true selves. And that's and it's it has continued and continues to this moment. These and these are not old, old races. These are young white people. Denon Roof was a young. This shooter in That's Buffalo. Right. This was an eighteen-year-old. These are not right. middle-aged and gray-headed white races. These are their grandbabies, not even their babies. Some of them are their great-grandbabies out here That's shooting right. us down, and we still have not. As as I've heard it said all the time, we've not properly responded. Now, I was sharing with you, brother, the other day that there are those of us, brother, who are ready to go to war. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has taught us, you know, in words clearly what that result would be. Of course, there would be suicide. But to continue to live like this, at one point, he said, it's probably better to do that. But there's another Mm. way. Because he also said that our unity is more powerful than a hydrogen bomb, a nuclear bomb. And one of the stratagems that has been effective where black people are concerned, particularly in Mississippi, Mega Evers was successful with it. Alfred Skip Robinson, Abdulaziz Muhammad was successful with it. And what that part of the stratagem was in part, brother, was complete economic withdrawal. And that's the least we can do in Mississippi. Because, see, brother, we have to make them hurt. As Dr. King said, we need to redistribute the pain, man. Because Mm -hmm. I'm willing to admit, it's painful to hear this, brother. You mean to tell me a black baby that was mutilated the way that child was, and you have a warrant for one of the perpetrators, one who facilitated it, and as Brother Kenneth, you were saying early, brother, you said criminal responsibility. There's a statute I know in Tennessee 
And I'm sure there's a similar statute in other states where you are criminally responsible when you act in concert with others to facilitate the way for any crime to be committed. You're criminally responsible. And as Brother said, she ain't nowhere in the world during that era uh, under those circumstances knowing what happens when white men snatch black people up in the middle of the night and drive away with them into the darkness. Ain't nowhere in the world she had no idea that that would happen to that boy as she wrote in her memoir. And the prosecutor said, well, there's no new evidence. The fact that she would say she had no idea of that they were going to do that to him, that's evidence that she witnessed the kidnapping, which makes her her criminally responsible. So how are you going to say now that there's no new evidence as these these low down, and I'm not willing, I'm, I don't mind saying it. It's just low down prosecutors because they're more interested in their personal uh, uh, agendas, their political careers, whether or not they'll be reelected. In my mind, brother, it would appear they're more concerned with that, and that carries greater weight than getting justice for this 14 year old child and their family, man. So, uh, uh, in the report. Yes, uh, also, uh, Brother Patrick, when the grand jury declined, which in my mind, they didn't need a grand jury to arrest a woman. You know, I guess they, they just put yeah. that they just put that cart before the horse to circumvent even going to get the woman. And I question whether or not where she is in the Carolinas, whether they would have cooperated to extradite her back. You know what I'm saying? But Brother Kenneth, go right. ahead, Brother, jump in. Well, based on experience... Uh, grand juries that are impaneled are usually a uh, secret. Uh, you don't know who the uh, who they are. Mm-hmm. Now, with this particular uh, prosecutor, you know it, it's a political game that they play, and so by handing it off to the grand jury, even though that was was uh, totally unnecessary, that absolves him, sort of like you know Pontius Pilate uh, washing his hands. Mm-hmm. You see, even though it was his responsibility, he he passed it to pass the buck, so to speak. And so he can uh, go back and uh, think that gives him cover. But as uh, Brother Patrick and those who are with him says, there's no hiding place today. What I want to ask you, uh, Brother Patrick, is this, because um, the information is out there and we're dealing with our response. Um, What is the next step? In this, because mm-hmm. uh, I know you and I know those who are with you, you know, this is not, it's not over. No, it's <laughs> so, not over. And, you know, you know, what is the next organized step in uh, this particular fight uh, for those who may be listening and who share the same sentiment as most that we've talked to that uh, this is an outrage in the same way that uh, our brother Emmett Till sparked uh, the modern day uh, civil rights movement. Uh, this particular thing, as the brother said, could be a hinge moment. It could spark something if we mobilize correctly. So, what uh, is out there, uh, if you uh, want to add to that, uh, that you all are, are planning to do, and how can people um, join on to that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, brother Ken. And that's and that's a great question because we always have the uh, problems, but we very seldom have the solution. I call us being revolutionary and non-solutionaries. Mm-hmm. 
So we need to become more solutionaries, uh, more so than revolutionaries. So at this point, uh, brother, brother Kenneth, you know, we are kind of dealing with the demoralization of the, the, the moment. But at the same time, it's kind of like a boxer in the ring uh, taking a stiff jab. You know, you kind of get a little discombobulated, but you realize that wasn't the agenda the whole time. The, 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 the whole agenda is making sure that we clean our house up so that we can control our circumstances. So what we're going to continue to do is create the groundswell around this miscarriage of justice. This has been a gross miscarriage of justice, and I'm talking about the, the, the fact that we had an opportunity, you know, in the space that we control, a 73% black county, you know, and uh, uh, Emmett Till was, uh, 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 the, the, the trial was held in Sumner, Mississippi, which is in Tallahatchie County. We're talking about Delta County, you know, and I, I have uh, lived in, in, in one for an extensive period of time, and I've been around a lot of, so what I'm saying is that we're going to continue to create a groundswell around this injustice, you know, to notify our numb people. Our people are numb. You know, if we traverse this state, Brother Kenny, Brother Abdul, we see it. I mean, we see it. The, our people are extremely numb uh, to the fact of the things and the circumstances that's going on around them. We numb to the reality and what can be done about it. So we got to continue to wake our people up seriously, wake them up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, on the, I'm on the mindset of Shabak Africa uh, in, in, in a certain aspect. We can't waste time with the fickle pickles, mm-hmm. the ones that we have to reteach fundamental things. We can't waste time with those. We have to go with those who already have an inclination to understand because we can't wait on the mass. We got to take the critical mass and begin to push the paradigm. We got to take the critical mass. Those are the ones who know. Those are the ones who are... Uh, uh, understanding and know where we can move and go forward. Now, I will say this, and I think this is something interesting to note. Um, we live in an age of uh, 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 political fallacy. You know, fallacies of political progress. We got a whole Emmett Till, uh, on the national level, Emmett Till anti-listen bill that's been uh, passed. But at the same time, you have this whole Emmett Till issue come up, and we can't even get an indictment. So what's going to happen soon is that the movie is going to come out. Mm-hmm. I think the movie Teal is scheduled to come out October uh, the 1st. What that movie going to do? You know, you got you got a 67-year-old issue that's basically been used to generate emotions, circulate around, you know, the emotions and, and that pain that Brother Abdul is talking about. And it, 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 when you put movies out there that 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 express the pain of our people, you get you make a lot of money off that. But see, what I'm thinking is going to happen, you know, with this movie, with us continuing to work on the ground and, and build around this miscarriage of justice, is that when that movie comes out, we got two or three generations of of, of, of of black people that really don't understand the magnitude of of imbecile. They really don't. You know, so this movie, I think it was a great job done on this movie. I'm not one to advocate movies. You know, uh, I'm not one to, to get our history, uh, a proponent of getting our history from these movies. But I'm a fan of Keith Bochamp. Mm-hmm. You know, a young brother that has been working from Louisiana. 
uh, he's by way of New York, Brooklyn, New York now, but this young brother has worked on, on these type documentaries for a long time, and he was the one that was instrumental in going in with the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation and Deborah Watts and Terry Watts, who actually hung the phone up on me. They don't have a grassroots, um, uh, they don't want to work with grassroots organizations as far as what I can understand. But you Keith Watts the Watts sisters? The Watts sisters don't I'm want talking to? about Deborah Watts and her daughter Terry Watts. I just call these people by name, man. I don't, yes, I don't even be playing around with this stuff. Well, why you know, bring it but up they, then if they, they don't want to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you know, they, they got they, they got how they want to deal with it. You know, they got how they want to deal with it, and grassroots organizing is not that. You know, so uh, they made that clear, you know, when they hung the phone up on me. But what I'm saying is that Keith Bochamp was instrumental, and he was hatching out the facts of the history about this because I think he really wants to put a good product out there. You know, and uh, that historical, factual re-enactment uh, uh, of Emmett Till is going to gaslight the situation. But see, the government has already moved and made a decision before we can create that groundswell and then it get lit by that movement and then we can have a real real emotional response to this, just like we did with Manny Till opening that cash. You see? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we kind of staggering back right now, Brother Kenneth, Brother Abdul, but at the same time, you know, we got to straighten our results. You know, we got to tighten the gloves up, and we got to go at our people, man. So, we'll be down in Columbus, Mississippi, man, and I'll be down there on the front line. You know, we got some uh, local politicians that's going to be there. If this ain't coming out of their mouth, I need to know why. Yes, sir. I mean, seriously. Yes, I need sir. to know why. Why this ain't coming out of your mouth? Mm-hmm. Why are we not talking about these egregiouses that we suffering as a black community? And what are we going to do about it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You we know, just going to regroup, Brother Ken. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. You know, brother, it, that that's uh, a bit shocking to hear uh, what you said about the Watts sisters. And, I mean, of course, uh, they have the right to work with whom they please but as you were stating earlier brother this issue is much larger and broader than just our brother Emmett Till because there are thousands you know I would say hundreds of thousands of Emmett Till that line the swamps and low marshes of your Mississippi your Alabamas your your Louisiana unnamed faces men, women, and children that we don't even know about whose remains were never found. I even read a history lesson in uh, Florida where those who hunted alligators would steal slave babies and use black slave babies as alligator bait. And they still have memorabilia today that they sell. And there's an older right. gentleman, I can't call his name right now, I read the article, who gave a statement that authenticated a verbal history. A, 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 and it's just horrific, man, that these people actually use children to catch alligators. And the babies Gator will be bait. Gator, I'm telling you. And the point of the matter is, and why I'm saying this, I say all of that to say this. This is much bigger than Emmett brother and this is not to minimize or to to dismiss or assign assign him 
and the tragedy of what happened to him to a smaller space in the overall picture is just to put everything into perspective. And because it's so much bigger than him, this issue cannot be co-opted or uh, limited to one family. And that one family is a voice addressing the whole issue. You understand what I'm saying? I hope I'm hey, making sense. Can I sense. say something, brother? Yes, sir. Can I say something pertaining to that? Uh-huh. So, right. And see, this is what happens with this. The government learns how to manipulate black people with that kind of approach, too. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at these things that happen, you, you're so right because Emmett Till is it, 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 more than just the family's uh, issue. You know, and I think we have been shaped and molded into a, 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 a function where we look at it respectfully as the family's issue. And the government can easily deal, when you're talking about a system, they can easily deal with an individualized family aspect. But when you're dealing with a people, see, you kill a Korean, you kill an Asian, mm-hmm. you kill an Arab, you ain't just dealing with the family. You don't even know who the family is. Kill one of them, and you're going to see the whole might of the Asian Arab people That's right. that's going to be out there on you. It's not going to be that family. You may not even know who that family is. But what I'm simply saying, the American government has learned how to deal with us by us making it a a family issue. That's right. Mammy Till did not make it a family issue. That's right. She made it a black people issue when she opened that casket up. That's my message to the family. Mm -hmm. That's my message to the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. That's my, I mean, uh, Emmett Till Legacy Legacy Foundation and the Emmett Till uh, Justice for Families Foundation. It's two facets. Actually, it's three facets. And that shows our division right there. It's three facets within the family. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that, and not to be, you know, uh, no type of way toward the family. Mm-hmm. This is more than just a family issue. That's right. Now, what if, what if, what if, what if the Emmettio family, uh, uh, Legacy for Family, said to uh, Brother uh, Dwayne Richardson, Look, we, we, all them folks that stand outside the courtroom, we ain't with that. You know, just lock the door, and we going to deal with it our way. So it's easy for him to take them and say, okay, well, this is what we're doing. And and, and I'm trying to get this grand jury. Okay, you done left the power of black people outdoors. Come on, man. And you don't want to deal with us. That's right. You know, you don't want to deal with the Kwame Touré. That's right. You don't want to deal with the Makaka Rick. You don't want to deal with the black power aspect of it. You want to deal with the civil you want to deal with the silver aspect for it, but that's not not that's what's not knocking at the doors of of America today. What's knocking at the doors and what's going to knock down America is black power, and that's what? what we have to do, man. It's more than just Emmett Till. What about George Finney Jr.? Yes, sir. The fourteen year old uh, boy that was accused by a white girl that was set on a box on a stack of Bibles and electrocuted. Body so small that the electric device wouldn't even fit on his head. Mm. But they killed him anyway. You know? Oh, that could have been just as iconic. But it was Mamie Till who made uh, the polarizing uh, decision mm-hmm. to open that casket up and Jet Magazine caught that and it went all over the world. Sad as Rosa Parks. Yes, sir. It's sad in black people all over the nation. So that's what makes Emmett Till so iconic. It wasn't that he was the only situation. Yes, he sir. was a polarizing situation yes, that the world had to respond to. 
So that's where we at, brother. And I commend you all, man, for having me on and uh, letting us continue to talk about this issue because we got to get our people uh, away. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, brother. And one of the things um, in in war, and make no mistake about it, that the black man and woman here in America, war is being waged upon us. Whether you acknowledge it or not is immaterial. And the thing that they have historically done is divided us one against another. And as you were speaking about the black power being locked on the outside, once the power base was um, disconnected, it was easy to maneuver. And and you have to ask yourself, are you complicit in it? Because Mm -hmm. you can be unwillingly part of a conspiracy. That's right. And what we have to look at, go through the history. And, And in Mississippi, you know, with Mega Evers and, and many more, you know, that module, you know, isn't talked about or not. I, and I was um, downloading the book, as you see, you carry all the time. We will shoot back. Yeah, <laughs> see, I, I need no. that book too, Pat. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I got your copy, brother. Yes, yes sir. sir. But the thing <laughs> is, when they when they control the narrative of our protest, mm-hmm. you know, because it's immaterial when. Uh, someone hurts you, then they tell you how to respond. Don't cry too loud. Don't say out. That's mm-hmm. that don't make sense. You know, you can't tell me how to express my pain. That's right. And this is what has historically gone on, and we fall right into the trap. And but right. history is best qualified to reward our research. When the American colonies. Uh, was tired of being oppressed, exploited, and under the tyranny of King George in England. They didn't go to them and ask them how to solve the problem. No. They said, this is what we're going to do. They convened among themselves. And, and, and they, they kept it up. And what has happened is these things have been passed down generation through generation. We've had conversations before. We will hide our cowardice behind many, many uh, different things, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, you know. But yes, at the sir. end of the day, the result is yes, the sir. same. We we are basically leading generation after generation of our young people like lambs to the slaughter. And we have to say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. So in the vein of, of Miss Mamie Till, when she said no, I'm not going to allow you to secretly mm-hmm. sweep this under the rug. As you said, they had been historically right. doing those things in Mississippi for years, but mm-hmm. she put it out there publicly. Look at the response. What happened with George Floyd? He mm-hmm. wasn't the first brother that got stopped and got killed. That's right. But That's it was right. done. It was out there in the public, and we just kept it out there, and then we just mobilized about that. And people around the world... When they saw that, guess what they did? They Some of those murals that they be showing about uh, our brother George Floyd, they over in France. Mm-hmm. They over in Germany. They, they overseas in Europe. Mm-hmm. Because uh, any right-thinking person, when they see that, be like, that is, that's not right. That's, that's not savage, strange. man. Yeah. So we got to put this out there. And this is not on the mainstream media. Mm-mm. This is why Mississippi on the Move podcast is essential. And as you said, you know, the focal point is to go down deep in the Delta where our people are suffering and give a voice mm-hmm. to that suffering 
And so if we're, obligated, right. we're obligated to do that. That's right. You know, brothers, I was saying right. when I, earlier when I said, you know what, as you were talking, uh, Brother Patrick, and I thought about the fact that they have a foundation. And, and, and this is not to impugn the motive or cast a cloud uh, over the Teal family members. But I can't help but to wonder, brother, who are their backers in terms of the foundation? I don't know. But one thing I do know is that white America has made a science of isolating black people around issues like this, like they isolate genes in food and genetically alter the food by robbing it. And in the process, they rob the food of its nutritional value. So it is with moments like this. Because they know it has the potential to be explosive and will disturb their economic and political constructs, they make sure they co-opt it. They, they get at the, at the head of it and steer it in a way that it's not injurious to the political and the social order and economic order of the day, while at the same time isolating the essential element, in this instance, the Till family and the, the, the part of the, the community right. that would be injurious, as you mentioned, the black power part, or that segment of the community, that populace of black people that will demand justice in a broader sense, not in the narrow sense, just dealing with the Till family, but in the broader sense, they rob the moment that's right. of that essential part and just deal with that that's family. Right. See, that's, they've made a science of that, brother, and that's the same way they genetically alter food. And, be, and, we right. have, and now that we recognize that, now the question is, what are we going to do about it? Because, see, brother, look, right. as I was telling a, a group, I was talking to a brother at the uh, Multipurpose Center as we are uh, looking forward to hosting our brother, uh, student minister, Dr. Wesley Wesley, Muhammad. Yes, and he's going to be dealing with an issue, brother, that has been an open wound in black America for generations, the Malcolm X, the research. We're talking about receipts. This brother is going to be bringing some information that all of us need to hear. But... um, Man, I lost my point when I mentioned that. But they made a science of separating the part of the movement that they know that they don't want to deal with while at the same time dealing specifically with that family or the immediate people that are injured. So, man, hopefully that point will come back to me. But the thing of it is, yeah, this is my point. What are we going to do about it? That's that's, And as Brother Kenneth asked earlier, what are the next steps? And we as black people have to understand that if we allow this to continue without a proper response, without an adequate response, then our entire humanity is at stake, man. It's, it's, you know, that's our, right. Our humanity. And we can't, and, and there will be no outcry. As the Alvaro Lewis Farrakhan was saying, leading up to the Million Man March, they put out a series of movies. They put out Boys in the Hood. They put out colors and all of these movies that depicted us in a savage way. And they put out a book entitled Monster by Cody. Uh, I can't remember his last name. And that yeah. book was a number one seller overseas. And it 
cast a particular image to the world of black men in particular. And the minister right. said, brother, that was the setup for the slaughter because the world will look upon us well, they're savages. So if the wholesale murder of us started by the authorities, there would be no outcry in the world. Well, so That's it right. is, brother, if we ignore this, because, well, I'm, I'm too busy. Well, you know, I got to get my hustle on. Well, it's not affecting me. I'm doing good. Okay. Well, the people that was on the upper decks of the Titanic thought they was doing good until the water started taking on, the ship started taking on water on their level. So it is with right. this moment, brother. If we right. look as a people ignore this, brother, then we will wish we had not ignored it. If we don't give proper voice and attention to this, we will soon regret. Why? Because the, the Jewish people did the same thing. As long as Hitler was putting the small one, the, the you know, those poor ones in those gas chambers, the rich and well-to-do ones, you know, really wasn't bothered. But when they start coming and get the well-to-do ones, and they've already started, right. ask Bill Cosby, you know, That's ask right. all of these prominent black people. I was looking at a video of Terrell Owens. Some white lady called the police on him, and he was just shocked. He couldn't believe it was happening to him. See, those are the wake up. Those are the wake yeah. up calls that our prominent black folk need, and to be made to understand. You know what's going on. So when are you, and when are we going to collectively and get a critical mass of us? As you stated earlier, brother, the most of us are not going to get involved. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be right. a significant number of us that will sit idle. If not idle, they'll just be on the sidelines cheering and will not get directly involved. But a critical mass of us have to get involved with this. Uh, Brother Patrick, man, we, uh, we're at that point, Brother Kenneth, Brother Patrick, man. We've added an element to our program called the cultural segment. And as I think I, think I told you, Brother Patrick, I was just in Milwaukee last weekend for our national training seminar. Let me tell you, brother, they wore my back yes, out. They wore me out on that mat, brother Patrick. <laughs> they, they got, I got to get my jujitsu back down, man. I need, to, I need to get back in the dojo. And, but at any rate, uh, the Nation of Islam <laughs> has some very prominent and very talented hip-hop artists. And last week, we featured our sister Neelam Muhammad with We Got Em Like Her and Danique and Golden Child. Well, this week, we want to feature a brother named Hashim Hakim. And I purchased his CD, brother. And lo and behold, on his CD, he has a cut on it that's entitled, guess what? It's not guess what, but I'm asking the question. Guess what the title of the track is on his CD that he just released that I just bought? The title of the track is The Ghost of Emmett Till. And I was like, wow. 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 You're talking about divine, as you put it, Brother Patrick, divine synchronicity. So for tonight's cultural segment, we want to debut. Uh, oh, oh, wait a minute. Okay, there we go. We want to debut a cut by my brother who I've recorded in my studio before, Hashim Hakim, with his latest output, The Ghost of Emmett Till, coming right up. Check it out. Right. All right, all right. You use your religion as an excuse not to stand up and fight your natural enemy. And the only people on this earth 
because brother patrick if you remember man there was music that reflected the movement and as our sister nina simone said our artists have a responsibility to make their music reflect the time so uh in the nation of islam we have those cultural giants brother that are putting out projects and music 
uh, that those of us who are revolutionaries, you know, you need music, man, to kind of give you balance. You know what I'm saying, brother? You know, just just to to, to take the edge off, man, because sometimes, man, these issues can drive you in a way and have you in a bad place. I'm just being honest. I'm speaking for myself. No doubt. And I would would want you to say uh, that others, uh uh-oh, I had something else going. I forgot to stop it. But, Brother Patrick, man, uh, we're about 27 minutes after we got three minutes left, brother. I want to give you the floor for the next two minutes at least because it'll only take me a minute to shut this thing down. What do you want to leave the audience with, dear brother? Well, brother, it won't even take me two minutes just to say thank you and thank uh, the brother, uh, Kenneth. I call him Batman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to thank I want to thank both of y'all, man, for uh, staying the course, man, and staying on post. You know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, what they call it, a thankless fight yes, that we fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 you know, at some point every day, it's a little bit part of me that asks me why I get up every day to do this. Yes, sir. But that greater part of me responds to that little part. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious why. Yes. You know, we got some egregious problems that have to fail our people. And I think it's our moral responsibility to uh, stay on post. You know, because at the end of the day, I have a two-year-old daughter, and I tell people all the time, it was nothing but the universe showing me that um, and putting it right in my face. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't a concept. It was a factual reality. It was a life that was dropped right into my hand and said, make a future for her. Make a future for her. And that's what it is that it's all about. You know, she's that microcosm of a macrocosm. So we got to build something. I'll leave y'all with this. You know, it was great. Amos Wilson. It simply said, he said, people are not known or remembered for what they know. Come on, man. But people are remembered for what they build. What they and that's what I'll leave out with. Thank you for having me tonight, brother. I appreciate y'all. Brother, thank you. Brother Patrick Lumumba Alexander, the executive director and commander of the Black Liberation Movement out of Colorado, Mississippi. Let's give him a round of applause. May God bless and keep you and your family, dear brother. I will be in touch with you, and I leave you, brother. Peace and power, and assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam, family. Dear brothers and sisters, that was our brother, Brother Patrick Lamumba Alexander. We're right at the end of tonight's program. Just a brief reminder, brothers and sisters, we will be hosting uh, our dear brother and friend, student minister, Dr. Wesley Muhammad. He is a member of the Executive Council of the Nation of Islam. He is the writer of over 16 books, including subjects on Malcolm X. He has a body of work, a three-volume body of work that is about to be published very, very soon, entitled The Real Judas Factor, Unraveling the Mystery of the Malcolm X Assassination or Murder, I should say, He will be in Holly Springs, Mississippi, at the Multipurpose Center at 235 North Memphis Street on Saturday, August the 20th, 2022. The doors or the program will begin at 5 o'clock p.m. Admission is free to the public. With the new information that has been unearthed from the family of Reggie Wood regarding his involvement in the assassination of Malcolm X and the U.S. government's and the New York Police Department's involvement, you want to come in here because this has been an open wound 
uh, that black America has been suffering from since February 21st of 1965. That's going to do it for us this evening, and I'm going to leave you out of here with our commercial announcements. And once those announcements are made, we will be back to close out for tonight. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio, the official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace! No justice, no peace! Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I'm your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad, and thank all of you and our listening audience from, for tuning in to tonight's program. And we're going to leave you as we always come before you with the greeting words of peace of Assalamu Alaikum. Mississippi on the
Elijah's got the master plan. Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. Mississippi. Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. Injustice, we've had enough. All of our divisions we're breaking up. Destiny has been calling us. The spirit of the Most High is guiding us. Uh, see, the time is now. What you waiting on? Quit shooting your brothers. Put your gun down. Come on. They got a cage waiting for you if you keep that up. Early graves coming to you. From that, can't raise you up. Now, Sister Ida B and Fanny Lou. Check them out and you'll know what to do. But if you really want your enemy to be alarmed, read the final call. Follow Farrakhan. Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. Mississippi. Mississippi on the move. 